Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Friday's New Year Gear podcast. Hey, I hope everyone had a good week. Um, and uh, and uh, let's start. Oh, so uh, a couple of things. I've got to make some announcements. Uh, announcements are always easy. Uh, the first thing is, if you're new to the live show, it's pretty simple. If you want to ask me a question or start a subject, please start it with a question mark first. And uh, if you're watching the rebroadcast, I take time to timestamp all of the subjects and questions we talk about and usually take the longest subject or the most interesting one. Usually is the longest one is the interest, in, most interesting one. And I put that on the title. Also, you can listen to this as a podcast, of course, on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, you name it. They make a platform for it. I think we're on it. Uh, and uh, there you go. I'm already seeing some familiar faces in the chat. So let's get started. I'm trying to think if there's anything exciting to announce this week before I get started. Anything else? Um, just been working. Uh, something cool is if you saw the uh, the Super Strat uh, sharpen my axe video that I did where I did the neck. I installed stainless steel uh, frets into a glary guitar. Part two of that video will be out tomorrow. Um, and it's already done, so you don't have to worry about it. And me saying it's going to be out tomorrow and then not coming out. It's, it's out. Um, the patrons were given it yesterday. So that will be out. And then part three will be just a few days after that, which is just the final demo. And then a couple things you'll see She's very excited. I'm very excited. It was a lot of work and there's an actual bonus video in there. So it's a three-parter with a bonus. So the bonus video and the patrons saw part of the bonus video. So uh, like I said, they seem to like it. So that's always, that's always good to know. Um, let's get started. One of the first questions from Martin. Martin uh, said, hey, what's the best trim for a 2020 Epiphone SG? So he's asking about the Duesenberg uh, uh, trim, the Bigsby uh, Viromate. And there's also one by Floyd Rose, as is, is is if I'm aware of correctly, there's a Floyd Rose one. Um, I've never tried the Floyd Rose one. I have tried the Bigsby. I liked it. The Duesenberg I liked a little bit more. can't tell you why. Um, the Duesenberg is very Bigsby-like, but there's something about that tremolo that I just really like. Um, it's easy to install, although so is the Viromate. Um, it's a little heavier. I think it's a little less. It's $99 uh, for the Duesenberg, so you'd have to check that. I thought the Vibromate uh, was a little more than that. So the good news is I, I, can only, I can highly recommend the Duesenberg one. I have one on my guitars. I really like it. It's cool. Um, you know, it was on my SG, and it's probably going to end up on the P90 SG that's behind me that I can't point to. But that's okay. If you're listening to this as a podcast, it won't matter anyways. I, there's a red SG with P90s. <laughs> so, um, And I had it on my other SG. I liked it, but I took it off because I was going to put it on the red SG. So uh, Bennett says, Bennett says uh, it's his first live show. Awesome. Awesome. You know, this one's a little late today. So I was thinking, so what was going to happen? So, you know, the reason why, why are we late? Why is this late? What's going on? There's something wrong, right? Yes, there is something wrong. Here's what was going to happen. Today's show was going to be tomorrow. That's right. I was going to do a Saturday noon show. And as I dramatic pause for water, I was even going to see if Ralph wanted to join me. Um, but if not, you know, I'm still going to do it tomorrow. I thought it'd be a little fun. I haven't done a Saturday show in a while. And then my wife sent me a text saying, that uh, if you guys know the live show, I've been having issues with it glitching and having problems with live. And ironically, we got an email from our internet provider, which is Cox Cable, uh, 
a name just perfect for them. Anyways, <laughs> Cox Cable um, is letting me know that tomorrow for like eight, nine hours, we'll have no internet tomorrow because they've been building so many houses where I live and so many apartment complexes. Everything's building up around me really fast where I live that the internet air is not, not, not up to snuff, which we could tell. Um, it's been getting worse and worse. I've been doing this for years and I feel like the internet's just been getting worse for the last year as the population has been growing in my area. So since I can't do it tomorrow, gonna ha I have like, well, I better get on live today. So let's, uh, let's talk about some guitars, not the internet, <laughs> uh, not internet connectivity. Um, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's scope out a couple more questions. Um, hold on. Uh, Vincent is saying, I just want to read it because it's funny. I'm, he's waiting for the UPS driver with his new EVH special stealth. Can't wait. Can't wait. I have a new guitar downstairs. I have an Eddie Van Halen Wolfgang. It's been in a box downstairs. I've been so, so busy this week. I actually took a little time today with myself to have some lunch with some friends. It was a nice uh, reprieve. I've been working uh, exhausting days the last couple days and to the point where, yeah, I have this beautiful Wolfgang that I got, uh, and I wanted to even maybe do a video with it, showing it with you guys, but it's alas, it's been in a box. I, I haven't even had a chance to check it out. So, uh, reason I tell you that Vincent is please enjoy, um, enjoy that guitar for me tonight because, um, I haven't been able to get to mine. I'm really excited about it. Um, let's see what else we got. What else is Hold on. I don't want to jump too many of them. Um, Unfreaking Believable says he received his Lawrence Petros LPD drive. Nice drive. It's called the Nice Drive and LPD Analog Chorus. Oh, cool. I didn't even know uh, Lawrence made a chorus pedal. I'm thinking now. Yeah, I've never really seen one. So I'm really interested to see that. And I don't know what the Nice Drive is. I know he makes a couple specialty drives here and there. I see them on his Instagram. But uh, I've tried a few. So, you know, the ones I've tried have always been good. Okay. Um, happy Friday. Hey, speaking of Lawrence Petros, there he is. Uh, LPD Pedals. Happy Friday, everyone. How's everyone doing? I'm doing good. Uh, Lawrence lives where I live, so he's probably enjoying the weather. It's it's about 102 right now, 100 degrees. I only share that with you guys because it's just, yeah, I, I know you live different places. Uh, 100 degrees Fahrenheit where I live is good. <laughs> it is uh it's a little warm in the middle of the day when it's 100 but man the mornings and the afternoons are just you you would die for this weather it's perfect it's perfect to sit outside and do stuff either do some get around and move get around and move and have some fun outside or just relax um uh hugh hugh says hey phil uh thoughts on the edwards mini les paul i've never played one of the mini les pauls i've seen them um, I've seen a bunch of them over the years, but never put my hands on one. Edwards is a brand that is connected to ESP guitars, which by in turn is connected to Schecter guitars. But um, Edwards is a brand of, of guitars that basically are for Japan. Now, of course, whenever I say that stuff, people are like, no, they're here in the States. Yeah, because of the internet, we can get anything we want now online. But uh, there's some brands that used to be officially for certain areas, certain countries, certain things, just like there's certain colors and models of guitars that are only made for certain countries and markets and so you guys know that usually has to do with the sales market i don't know if you guys know that when somebody says like for the for japan market it's really has to do with 
what that has usually it's a good little side segue subject a lot of companies and i mean a lot even big companies like fender have uh, distribution resources in other words they have distributors throughout the world that buy their product and then act as like the wholesaler for those retailers in those areas so a good example would be uh, like a company like Fender, they'll have Fender Japan. And sometimes that product is made in Japan. Sometimes the made in Mexico, made in China, made in America, Fender product and Squire product is then shipped to those companies and they distribute it. And so th this is so common with so many brands, like there's brands that are here in the US, but they have distributors in Europe that take care of the sales and marketing and, and all that stuff. And again, those companies generally buy that stuff. That's how that works. That, that's what makes it easy for a company, a company like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one, like Mesa Boogie is a good one. Mesa Boogie will have to sell to a distributor overseas or Schecter too. Schecter sells to a distributor overseas. Those distributors will buy all the product up front so that guarantees that product is going to be sold and then what's going to happen is then they'll parcel it and would sell it and sell it as needed to the smaller dealers throughout the throughout the country or those unions or whatever happens whatever <laughs> right european union uh different countries but uh the reason i bring that up is sometimes those distrib distributors uh want exclusive deals so they'll say we want this product only for us or we want this market for us, um, so that way we don't have to compete. And um, sometimes it's not even them asking for it. Sometimes the manufacturer will say, hey, we'll make a, a, a special run of products just for you guys to increase sales, right? To increase the, the demand to, to buy this stuff. So uh, the reason I tell you that is essentially Edwards and a lot of companies fall into those lines. They'll make a brand like that. Um, you know, uh, we even know Godin, if you guys are familiar with Godin Guitars or Godin Guitars for everybody who's uh, from Canada or the rest of the world. Besides America, we always say Godin. It's like a, you know, but it's Godin. Uh, Godin has uh, Norman guitars, and Norman guitars are mostly sold in Canada. They're not sold in the U.S., but it is one of that brand. So it's very common for brands that have different brands for different countries. But the Internet has really messed that up because now you see Edwards guitars, and you're like, you know. Um, okay, so... Um, what else? Nick wants to know something easy. He said he wants to know what is that blue T-style uh, guitar with twin humbuckers and trim over my right shoulder. This is my right. Hey, look at that. Perfect. Uh, it's got a stunning finish. Okay. So what he's talking about uh, is that is a G&L ASAT with a... It looks blue. It's kind of a green flake, heavy flake finish. Looks like a bass boat. It's big flakes. That's what it looks like. You can see it. It's got huge flakes in it. Um, basswood body, matching headstock. When I went to GNL, oh, they're both behind me. So on my other side of my shoulder, on my left shoulder, is a margarita finish. It looks like a lime kind of green. Margarita finish uh, GNL ASAT that I had custom made at GNL when I went there and visited, I ordered that one. I say custom, it's, you know, they'll make it for anybody, but I, I picked out the specs, the colors, the bridge. And uh, when I got that guitar, I loved it so much, I bought another one. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know, it was one of those things where I was like, I love this guitar so much. So um, that they're identical, except for uh, the, the blue one has a tremolo. So there you go. That's what it is. And it has stock uh, G&L pickups in it. They're nothing fancy other than it's got the cool finish and then matching headstock. I want to my 
says, thinking about a Fishman Fluence Classics in my PRS SC Custom 24. Your thoughts and do you think they would fit? Um, well, I've installed the Fishman Cla Classics. Um, they will fit. You're routered fine. I know uh, sometimes that's sometimes it's not about humbuckers, so you guys know. Sometimes it gets a little nerve-wracking whenever you use metal-covered pickups and put them into certain uh, routing uh, routed holes. They don't fit, but they'll fit. So, yeah, the pickups will fit. The cavity in the back is definitely big enough for all the stuff you're going to need to put in with the flish, uh, Fluence, uh, like the batteries. Um, what I don't know is I know Fishman Fluence makes... Uh, they make batteries, uh, compartments th that are the size, of, like the tremolo covers and the, the bridge covers and stuff. They make these, uh, lithium molded batteries that are covers. I don't know if they make one for custom 24 that's compatible, but, uh, either way you can just run batteries inside the cavity. The answer, the answer to your question is yes, you can install them. That, that can be done. Uh, and what do I think about them? Well, I, the ones I played, I really, really liked. There was something I don't I can't explain. When I did the video Fishman Fluence versus EMGs, um, I like them both. And I could actually, and this is where it gets a little strange, I could actually tell you two weird things. One, if you asked me which one sounded better, the Fishman Fluence had more clarity to them. And I guess that meant they sounded better. In other words, when I was playing, I was like, yeah, I guess if I was critiquing this, I would say the Fishman Fluence were better. However, I didn't keep those Fishman Fluence. I sold those and I kept the EMGs. And the reason is, is because it was more of a, not so much the EMGs sounded better. They were something I, I enjoyed. I l enjoyed the sound of those EMGs. So, um, and to be honest with you, I had both sets. If I would have bought the Fishman and not owned the EMGs and compared them, I would have just kept the ones I owned, which was the Fishman. But in this case, I bought both sets. I didn't need both and I didn't know which one to pick. So I... I picked the EMGs, but, um, but I would say most players, if I was going to give a guess, you know, obviously working with so many players all the time, most players would pick the Fishman Fluence over the EMGs. That's what I think they would pick. Me, I picked the EMGs, uh, but I can't really qualify that with anything other than there was just something familiar about the EMGs and it had a little attack that I liked. So, um, Dirt Racer X says, Fishman sound way too aggressive to me, even with even as a metal guy. Well, they have the different settings. You can actually, you can mess with those pickups uh, quite a bit. So it depends. What I'm curious about Dirt, Ra uh, Dirt Racer X is, are you an active person? Because that's the thing about active pickups. If you're not into active pickups, dramatic pause for water. Uh, <laughs> if you're not into active pickups, they really, you know, they may not be your thing. I... I don't use a whole lot of active pickups, but I love active pickups. In fact, active pickups are a, a thing that I feel like one of the problems, one of the problems with me personally, uh, for guitar, for basses, I use active pickups. But for guitar, the reason I don't use the active pickups as much is because I don't perform. So if I was gigging, especially in bars, EMGs would be heaven sent. Sometimes there's just something about not worrying about all the weird noises that can come through your guitar. Uh, oh, crazy. Uh, um, Jake Snake says, how do I loosen my potentiometers on my e uh, Eric Clapton Strat? They're tight. That's a tricky thing. They, it's not like you can, you know, release the nut or, 
or do anything. The only thing you can do on those potentiometers is you can use some deoxid and clean them to make sure they're clean. That will definitely make them smoother. Um, that's a very easy thing. I have a video on that. You can watch that video. It's very, very easy. However, I would imagine the difference after you clean them is going to be minor, but it'll be, it'll be something you'll notice it. You'll notice they, they have less friction when you do that. Um, and once you do it with deoxid, that's good for at least a year or two. Depends on again, how much you use them, how much dirt and, and, and dust is in your environment. But essentially that's it. You can't, you can't loosen any of the, the compartments. You can't do anything. Uh, lubrication is pretty much your only cleaning and lubrication is your only, um, kind of course of action. Um, trying to, I'm just thinking real quick before I go into the next subject, I just want to make sure there's anything I can think of in my head other than, I mean, I can tell you right now, if a customer came to me and said, Hey, I don't like these potentiometers. They have, they're way too stiff. They're too hard. Um, I would check to make sure that they're not clamped down. Sometimes you see people really wrench down the nut too much, but man, the odds of that being the thing are so not likely. <laughs> so, I mean, you could check that, but I just don't think it's going to be the case. I would imagine it's probably just worn parts, friction from dirt or other things. I would clean it out with deoxid. That would make a difference if that, and then I would have you try it. If that didn't make a difference, I'd switch out your potentiometers to something better, uh, better being more suited for what your needs are, which would be, uh, Bourne's potentiometers, all the zero friction, low friction potentiometers are really great. Um, but those have their own problems too, because they're so light, you bump them and they just turn. Uh, Tone Stett says, question mark first, thank you, says T5 behind you, question mark, are you planning a review? A T5 behind me, what? Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I am planning a review. You know, I'm working on, I've been working on, so, so if anyone's local, you have to live in Phoenix, I really, really want to know how the uh, Taylor, is it the Acoustasonic, what is it called now? The new $2,000 one. Oh man, uh, Fender Telesonic. I, that was Acoustasonic. Acoustasonic. I know it's uh, confusing because it's a name they used to use for the amps, right? Aren't the amps? Yeah, the Acoustasonic. So Fender makes a, a guitar that's two thousand dollars called the Acoustasonic. I I am nervous about this guitar because uh, it looks cool everywhere I go on YouTube. Every it feels like every YouTube video out there, there seems to be somebody promoting that guitar and I'm really interested in it. So I would really love to know deep down how it compares to the T5. So I would like to do a shootout between those. I've been trying to get my hands on one of those Acoustasonics to compare with the, the T5. So tone set to tell you, to answer your question, I want to do a Taylor T5, but I really rather do it instead of a review of the T5, I would love to do a comparison of the T5 versus that because they're both $2,000. They're very, very expensive. And um, I would really like to know if you've got $2,000 and you're looking at that. Now, you don't have to have $2,000, by the way. Keep in mind, there's used prices. Um, I bought that used and uh, I, I uh, got that uh, basically. I got it from Zim's Guitar, so you know. I got it because he had a good price on it. I went and played it. I used to have one. I don't regret getting rid of it, but when I picked up that one, I was like, oh yeah, I remember liking these. His price was very fair. And I said, hey, you want to do some horse trading? So I traded him a bunch of guitars I wasn't using and got another T Taylor T5 so far. Really like it again, but I love, I mean, I loved compared to the Acoustasonic. Um, Gap Lover says, just buy Godney 6. I had the Godney 6. I have a video of that. That's what actually happened, uh, Gap Lover. I had the Taylor T5. It was very good, but it wasn't, 
doing something I like, I not liked. I it wasn't doing something for me. So I tried the Golden A6 and I love the Golden A6. So I sold the Taylor D5 and got the Golden A6. And what happened with the Golden A6 was it was sitting on the walls. It wasn't getting used a lot. Um, not as much as, you know, I probably would be using it. For some reason, I wasn't using a lot. Loved it. Went to uh, lunch with my buddy, Matt. My buddy, Matt's like, hey, if you ever sell that Golden A6, I want to buy it. I said, really? And he's like, yeah. And I go, I'll sell it to you. And I sold it. Uh, no particular reason. That happens to me every once in a while. You guys have seen that in the past. I had a really beautiful Schecter and my buddy Thor saw it in a live show and he goes, hey, if you ever sell that, I'll buy it. Sometimes, you know, when somebody offers me the right price on a guitar, even though I like the guitar, if I'm not using it, uh, it's not, it doesn't have an emotional connection. That's what it really is. Like I said, I've said this before. Certain guitars are, are I'm emotionally connected to. The reality, like I said before, I like to play all these guitars and I do give them all a run for their money. But realistically, if you were clocking this, you know, your cell phones now can clock how much time you're on social media. Um, if I was clocking all the guitars, I have like three guitars that are getting 90% of my play time. And actually out of those three guitars, uh, it's probably one of those guitars is doing 90% of the play time. So uh, Okay, hold on. Now it's jumping. Okay, so let me Sometimes when we're doing these shows, I feel like I have control of everything and then all of a sudden it starts moving a little faster and that's because more people have come on to the show. So let me get to some questions. And there it is. I was going to say, I've lost my refresh button ability to uh, there, and that's why I wasn't seeing them. Okay, here they are. We have Red, oh man, I love your sign on. Red Yamaha Bass Guy. That's great. I love it. To the point, I'm assuming either A, you have a Red Yamaha Bass, B, you love Red Yamaha Basses, or C, you really hate Red Yamaha Basses. <laughs> he says, what is your opinion on the older Telray uh, Morley's? I have a mid seventies power wall boost. Great, great wall. Um, I, I do, I do like the old Morley's I I'm a Morley fan. Let's, let's start there. I'm a Morley fan. Morley is one of those companies to me that has always confused me in the idea of why they didn't win, you know? Oh man. Uh, you know, I, I know it's, it's, I feel like more and more it's like back in the day and I, I gotta tell I gotta stop saying that, but you guys, we all remember when, uh, VHS beat beta tapes, right? In other words, what I'm trying to say is we remember, you remember when sometimes the less superior product beats the superior product. In my opinion, I never understood truly why Morley didn't beat Crybaby. You know, Crybabies are great. There's no question that I'm not saying they're not good. They're fantastic. I love them because I have a couple, but I use Morley wall pedals. To this day, I use Morley. I pull out my crybabies and I go, yeah, these are cool. And I'm back to my Morley. There's just something about Morley wall pedals that I've always really liked. The only thing I don't like about the old ones is the size. They were huge. But back then, no one cared, right? In fact, there was a time when all the pedals were oversized because, you know, you had a couple pedals and it was easy to see them on stage when they're big. And there you go. Now we're all like, hey, man, we got to get 50 pedals on this <laughs> this pedal board we need them all smaller so morley makes a, a smaller uh a wah pedal but so to, to answer your question i love morley's i always have i always couldn't understand why they didn't take off i personally feel like they're one of the products that got you know like 80s metal was morley and then nobody wanted that sound but to me i um and i will say this for everybody who's probably because there was always comments to this whenever i bring this up 
that are like, I don't like the Morley's, you know, try them. <laughs> you know, if you haven't tried a Morley, you should try it. It's funny how, how there is something romantic about the crybaby pedal for sure. It's got a history to it. It's got a vibe when it clicks, it's got a feeling. That being said, that is an emotional, like using your old grandpa's hammer. You know what I mean? Cause it was grandpa's and it's a cool, cool tool. But realistically, if you're looking at it from just a practical perspective of, you know, better quality, I, I like the Morley stuff. And before any of you guys say anything about Crybaby makes a Crybaby makes a switchless wall, I have that wall wah as well. And still, in my opinion, not up to par with uh, what Morley does. So to answer your question, I'm a big Morley fan. I'm a little bit more fan of the, now the new Morleys, I should say, I'm a bigger fan of the new Morleys because they're smaller, because they're more practical, but they sound great. For some reason, they don't sound as good as the old ones, but you know, don't we always say that? Isn't there, there's a little bit of, okay, is it, did it, does it really not sound as good as old ones or does my 16 year old ear sway, you know, I mean, different than my older ear. I don't know. Uh, Thrash Metal Man. Guys, Sidons are great. <laughs> Thrash Metal Man says, building my first guitar and curious what what gotchas you ran into if you ever built one yourself before? Um, okay, so let me make sure I understand the question. He, so he's building his first guitar, and he's curious what gotchas you ran into if you ever built one before. Well, here's what I could tell you about putting guitars together, and I've said this before. Uh, building guitars, whether you're building one from scratch, you're. I think it's a, it's a sucker's game to think that you're going to nail it the first try. And I don't even mean quality-wise. I don't mean like your mistakes, like the router goes wrong or something goes wrong. What I'm going to say is this: even if you're even if you're having someone build a guitar, that's the worst part. There's there's this thing. There's something that happens that sometimes we don't focus on. You hear rock stars all the time, right? And they're like, "Oh, they did 17 prototypes before they got it right." Obviously, when a when a rock star is talking about a major brand saying they made 16 or a dozen prototypes, obviously we don't assume that the first 11 were defective, right? It's just before they figured out, you know, each time you get the the guitar, you go, oh man, now that I've played it and had it, I wish I've had that experience almost every guitar I've ever had made for myself. It's like, ah, oh, I wish I would have, you know, gone a little different way. When I'm building guitars or when I'm putting guitars together. Um, I can tell you uh, very, most of my experiences doing that is for customers. So I can tell you, um, it's hard for me to tell you, you know, like, did it, you know, what was the issue? Because they, they, at the end were the ones that determined whether it was good or bad. Me personally, uh, uh like, let's look, take the Atlantis guitar that I just built that kit guitar I built. Um, I'm trying to think now that I put it together, would I change anything? There was, what was the two changes? There was two changes I would have uh, changed. Um, the back plates were painted. That was great. But then I started thinking about going, I wish they would have done plastic, but they look better painted. Um, I guess there wasn't. <laughs> See, I said, oh, I changed. Oh, I know this. I said, I did say it's got metal knobs and I would have put plastic ones on it. But I guess the whole point of what I'm trying to get, that was a horrible analogy. I apologize for that. Sometimes, you know, like I said, live shows, you're just saying things as they come to your head. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is, is the gotchas are, don't worry about them. You're just, you just build and just be prepared. Just don't, don't invest things you can't move again. So in other words, what I mean by that is, you know, build a guitar, but be prepared that if this goes well, you're think about this. If you do well, you're going to make another one. 
That's the best way to think about putting a guitar together or building a guitar. Even if you do well, you're going to make another one because if you do well, you're going to like, oh, well, now with that experience, I'll make it even better. That's the rabbit hole. So be prepared for that. The idea that you'll get it all in one shot is possible, not likely. I'm sure some people will chime in saying they've had a great experience dealing their first one. And uh, I'm sure. Um, that's weird. Okay, so BK. Hey, BK. It says, uh, thank goodness it's Friday. Darkest, jazziest, Alninko 2 PAF. They don't know. <laughs> oh, what a, what a great question. I don't have a great answer for. I'm trying to think. The darkest? I think all PF, PAF style pickups are dark. All PAF pickups to me are mid-scooped. So they have that kind of dark sound uh, that I like and hate. Um, I like it for the most part. Every once in a while, that mid scoop sucks when you're trying to get a note to pop out. You know what I mean? And so I try to like something else. I can't really think of who makes the darkest one. Um, that's, uh, that's one thing I, I saw an article. I still haven't read it. Something about PAFs, you know, the history, not history, but comparisons. I would love to do a video comparing different PAFs to see how close they are. That would be a fun video. I'd be up for that. Well, obviously with the Somnium guitar, we can do that. Like compare like Seymour Duncan's to, to DiMaggio's to other brands. Um, it, it'd be tough, but that's something. Cause again, at this point, all the pickup videos I've just been having, I've been buying the pickups and doing all the stuff myself. There's no um, companies sending pickups or are trying to you know be involved in that program. So, uh, but that's something I would, I would, I would invest in that because that's something I think I could, one, learn from, and two, um, enjoy. I would enjoy trying those pickups. Plus, I have a bunch of them. I'm pretty sure I have, well, I have the DiMaggio's and I have the Seymour Duncan's. I'd love to hear you guys' suggestions of what other PAF-style pickups you'd want to hear and a shootout. If there was a PAF shootout, who makes the best PAF? Well, not best, just, you know, I don't like best because it's music, you know what I mean? So it's who makes the one that's, you know, the one I like the most. I'd rather say that. I'd like to say I like it the most more than it's the best. Matt uh, says, Matt says, just bought a used mint GNL from an online retailer and it arrived with a cracked hard shell case and it appears that the pick guard has been changed. This isn't noted in the listing. Should I ask for a discount? Absolutely. Yeah. Why would you pay full price for substandard product? Um, if you're okay with the guitar, that's to me, that's the best win. Okay. So, you know. Matt, let me let me tell you how it works. Again, I'll give you my perspective as uh, as a retailer, and then you know you can use that as like a kind of par for the course for them and see how they rate. Um, to me, if a customer reached out to me and said, "Hey, look, the case has been damaged," now you gotta understand if the case is cracked and damaged, the retailer may want to file a claim with the shipper just as you know just because and i've had this conversation before this is a good conversation uh, to to add to this um you could say well i've had this experience with retailers many times where they're like hey uh, i said this is damaged in shipping and they go are it's damaged and they go it must have been damaged in shipping and i say well the box is perfect what i've learned is um if that's the case it doesn't matter you just call the shipper out and let the shipper take a look at it the shipper's job is to determine that okay so Here's a good example. Hold on for a second. The reason I bring this up is I've, I've heard some arguments that I think are really good, but after more thought, I've kind of maybe changed my mind on them. 
Somebody, in fact, a bunch of people have always said this, you know, like different YouTube channels. I think I may have even said it, you know, hey, if uh, if you get a product and it's damaged and you go, hey, it's damaged and the seller says, oh, it was shipping damage and you go, there's no damage to the box. And they say, well, let's run the claim anyways. And they go, well, that's fraud. I've actually said something like that, too. That was my first thought. I think I was, I, I've definitely been there. I've definitely seen YouTube channels also have arguments like this. I think it's a good argument. There's nothing wrong with it. But here's a secondary argument. I also thought about this. You know, when you ask for a shipping company to come and look at the package, that's exactly what's happening. When you file a claim saying, hey, this product was damaged. It wasn't damaged when it was shipped. I know the packaging doesn't have any damage. Again, you don't have to say all that. You just explain the truth. It's damaged. The box is fine. The shipper will come and either say yes or no. <laughs> you know, they'll go, well, it looks like it was either A, packed incorrectly, B, it was packed fine and there's no damage. You see what I'm saying? Make the decision. So I'm just saying, I don't, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with calling the shipper. What I'm saying is I think it's still a prudent judgment to do in a lot of cases. In your case, hold on. I apologize. I just trying to let my throat go dry. Um, in your case, um, if you're okay with the cracked case and you don't want it replaced that way, and the pick card's been swapped, if you're okay with either what the pick card is or taking care of it yourself, um, as a retailer, if a customer called me and said, hey, these are the issues, I would like some compensation for that. That's always a great <laughs> problem to deal with, okay? Um, it's much easier to deal with that than, hey, this is wrong, and uh, I want it swapped out or I want a refund, you know, because all those are are not ideal situations, but you deal with them. But in your case, all you're saying is, I'd like a discount. I think that's fair. What I would do is, if I was you, is I would determine a discount amount in your head that you think is fair and then not offer that to the retailer. I would call the retailer, tell them the problem and ask for what uh, their resolution will be. In other words, don't even ask them to do a dis discount. You're prepared for the discount, be prepared. I would call and say, hey, look, these are the issues with the guitar. What solutions do you have for me? Here's why. They might have a better solution than you thought of. They might be like, how about we give you a discount and we'll send you a new pick card in the mail and we'll have the GNL guys send you a case. And you'd be like, yeah, <laughs> right? Or they could go, uh, yeah, we'll give you a free sticker to our store. And you're like, no, <laughs> right? So that way be, that way you can start the negotiation from there. But I would, I would definitely predetermine what you want Call them and ask them what they're willing to do before you tell them what you would want. That would be my, that would be what I would do. I would want to see what they would, they would do. Also, it lets you know their character. When you ask them what's their solution or resolution to this problem, um, it'll let you know where their mindset is. If they're like, well, it was fine when we shipped it, then you already know you're dealing with a problem. And at that point, it doesn't matter if you're willing to take a discount. You may not want to do business with that store anymore and send it back. So again, you just want to make sure. That you uh, did you uh, do that? Like I said, set up set up a, a, uh, an idea in your head and then see what they will do. Uh, Ryan from the Midwest says uh, he saw a fifty one fifty stripe series going for twenty seven hundred dollars on Reverb today. Reverb, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of the prices getting pretty ridiculous. Um, and I, I'll say this again. We have no, so you know, last week we talked about what's the future of the EVH brand. Since then, they have made the announcement that the brand will be controlled by Wolfgang and I think Matt. And uh, 
and it's going to go forward, which is what we kind of anticipated. It's what we all said last week. So what's the important part of this? The important part of this is uh, if you want one of the EVH branded current made guitars, I would go to a reputable dealer, Sweetwater, American Musical Supply, Sam Ash, or some of the ones I trust. I buy, I buy from them, all three of them. I, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm not telling you guys. I'm not saying you anywhere. I don't physically give money to those guys. I've bought all three, all three of those stores. I've bought in the last 30 days. I bought something from each one of those three. Um, and uh, what I will tell you is, uh, or you know, if you have a trusted source, use them. But those are the three I'm just mentioning. Uh, and put one on order for the right price. Sure. Will there be a backlog? Yes. Will it take a while? Yes. That's what I would suggest you do. So uh, if it's a product, like I said, there's a difference between that. Now that, oh, and this is important. So we're very clear. There's a difference between that and product. Like I said, when I've talked about my PV, things that they don't make anymore, they're not going to make anymore. I'm not saying you should pay on the high price now. And what I'm saying is, is now like me and everyone else, you would be throwing your dice saying they're either going to go up and continue to go up or they're going to come back down in a month or two or a year. That's, you're going to have to figure out for yourself, um, you know, what to do. But if it's a product that's not discontinued, it's ter- current in production, there doesn't seem to be any disruption to the, the products being made other than obviously a higher demand than normal. So a backlog, just put an order on it and wait. Um, MA says, I bought off Reverb and I've had a good experience, but I wouldn't pay at or above retail ever. I agree. By the way, I use Reverb as well. Uh, it's just Reverb is not a seller. Reverb is a selling platform. So it uh, depends on your retailer. On Reverb, I, I buy from Sam Ash because they're on Sam Ash. I actually bought, when I said I bought from Sam Ash and American Musical Supply in the last 30 days, uh, both of them I bought off of Reverb. <laughs> they were sellers on Reverb. I keep track of sellers on Reverb by trust. Uh, Bizarre Guitar in Reno is another one I've had great uh, success with. That's my Wolfgang I mentioned that I have downstairs in a box came from them. Um, the... Um, so, uh, oh, uh, Eddie Lego says, anyone shop at Dave's Guitar Shop? I've shopped from Dave's Guitar Shop a couple times. I've never had an issue with, with that store. Again, I, I can't tell you about every experience, but the two experiences, I think I bought from twice over the last 10 years. Um, but like I said, I do that when I have good experiences with stores on Reverb, I, I click and keep them in my you know settings, whatever, so I can go back to them. And I'll go back and check how they're doing. Um, and sometimes if you have trouble, if you can't find them on Reverb, I've, uh, for me, the best way I've learned is like if I want to see American Music Supply on Reverb or Dave's Guitar Shop on Reverb or something like that, you just Google search Dave Guitar Shop's Reverb or, you know, Sweetwater Reverb or AMS. I don't think Sweetwater is on Reverb. I think Sweetwater is on Reverb actually, but a different name. I bought one thing from Sweetwater, I believe, Oh, I know. Actually, I shouldn't say believe. I know. I bought a uh, Mesa Boogie cabinet off Sweetwater, off Reverb, but it was a different... The Reverb has a different name. So it was an open box buy. So I think uh, Sweetwater was selling or is selling product on Reverb as a different name, but it's their B-Stock return stuff, I think. Well, that's what happened in that particular case. That did happen. So I can talk about that. Uh, all right. What else? Hold on. Hold on. Let's get back to the, the main chat. Refresh that. 
Okay, so we got Punk Ash. Punk Ash. There's no more Ash. Anyways, but Punk Ash says, catching you real quick in my break, watching the replay tomorrow. Thanks for everything. Oh, man, thank you. That was a huge super chat, too. I uh, appreciate that, Punk Ash. Uh, I hope you're having a good day at work. <laughs> so, uh, so enjoy. So enjoy when this is tomorrow. I've done this joke before, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, Punk Ash, this is now tomorrow. You're watching me now, but it's tomorrow, which is now when you watch this. That's what you get. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, Elijah says, what is your suggestions on a PAF style pickups? Oh, man, we're back to that. Um, considering bare knuckle mule, that's a good pickup as well. Already have the 57 classics. 57s open to suggestions. Suggestions. Uh, okay. This is maybe now this is becoming a more and more foundation why we made a video. I'm thinking if we do a video... Uh, it would be the PAF, the PAFs from DiMaggio, the 59s from Seymour Duncan, the 57 Classics from Gibson, the 5708s from Paul Reed Smith, the 5909s from Paul Reed Smith, the Mules, right? That's six. Here's is great. Here's is great. The reason I'm doing this is because I have the DiMaggio PAFs, I have the 59s, I have the 57 Classics, I have the 5708s, and I have the 5909s. I don't have the mules. So maybe this video is actually going to be something I can actually generate because if I have five already of those pickups, I wonder, I wonder, get like three or four other good ones and try them. So, hmm, interesting. Um, all right. Mathis says, hey, Phil, greetings from Sweden. Big fan. No question at this time. All right. Uh, just some love. I appreciate that, buddy. Uh, was going to ask about the pretty tea style, but someone beat me to it. Thanks for being Phil and keeping us all sane. Hey, man, I'm glad if this is keeping you sane, it's a, it's good. I'm hoping you're enjoying some guitar time and having a good weekend for playing guitar. My daughter's going to be 16, so we're going to have her birthday party this weekend. Woohoo! It's a it's COVID, so it's not like really a party. It's like she's going to have two friends because that's basically what we're down to now. A time where you can just do small interactions so for the most part um steve says hey phil uh any solid body acoustics wait hey phil any solid body acoustic si silent guitars you might recommend greetings from germany um well i mean i i guess i'm going to take the question for for what i think it's at you're asking me about any solid body acoustics um that i recommend I mean, obviously the easy ones, Martin, Taylor, you're in, I think you said you're in Germany. So I don't know how those prices affect you over there. I would imagine they're much more expensive. Now, I will tell you this. Some of my favorite solid body acoustics, Cole Clark, definitely some of my favorites. Uh, Martin and Taylor, which I know are the givens. Um, uh, I like, uh, si uh, well, Simon Patrick, which is also Lepatre, which is Siegel and Arts and Luthery. Those ones are really good. And I think Yamaha makes some really good solid uh, top acoustics. Again, you're saying solid, so I'm assuming you mean solid tops and some are going to laminate bodies, but those are all the acoustics I like, if that helps. Um, the ones I play the most, though, I mean, I like Yamaha's and Cole Clark's a lot, but the ones I play the most are my Arts and Luthery and my Taylor. That's the ones that get my most playtime now. Brad Coleman says, I can afford it, but I have never pulled the trigger on buying the guitars I would love to. Have a Taylor C6 RC, oh, he's got a 614 CE. It's a beautiful guitar. 
Um, I have a 214 and a 514. I love them both. Uh, so he has a Taylor 614 and a PRS Silver Sky. It just feels like too much money. Advice on valuing guitars. Well, here's here's the thing, man. Brad, you're saying something that's really cool to me. You have two really nice, beautiful works of art. Think about it that way. Man, instruments, don't forget this. There's practical part reasons to own instruments. Sure, sure. Can you buy a $300 guitar that sounds great, plays great? Sure, looks great. Sure, it's practical. Makes sense, right? Now, remember, we've talked about this, so there's no triggering here. <laughs> to somebody, $300 is a lot to spend on a guitar. Of course. To somebody, $3,000 a lot. Some people, $30 a lot. It has to do with not only your financial condition, uh, condition, like we said, it has to do with your comfort, uh, uh, your comfortability of purchasing these guitars. That being said, um, whenever I meet somebody and they say I have two guitars and they tell are two or three guitars, you know, just you know one, two, three guitars, and they they rattle off guitars like you, the 614C, beautiful guitar, seriously, Taylor, amazing guitar, Silver Sky. Again, I have a Silver Sky. It's a great guitar. I always say this: Do you need those? Absolutely not. We don't need any of this stuff. But to me, it makes more sense when you have one or two really high-end, beautiful guitars that last forever. Think about this. Those guitars are going to last forever. Your kids' kids can play those guitars. They'll last that long. They are, like I said, it's not just an instrument at that point. It's not just a tool. It's a work of art. It's a it's a heritage. It's a thing to have. So, uh, no, you shouldn't feel bad about that. The only time I, I understand it is if you, you're collecting, like I've been collecting, and you have a little too many guitars, and you're like, okay, this is a little obnoxious, isn't it? Maybe. Like, you know, and I've always said this. Everybody's got a different reason for collecting guitars or buying guitars. I, I've, I originally started collecting guitars looking for the one. It was all, For me, it was all about finding the guitar that was going to be perfect, and when I find that guitar, the, the rest will fade away. It will just be that one. And one day it was for me, I just figured out it's a Strat. I just like a Strat. And I don't even care what Strat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I do, but I mean, for the most part, it's not like a certain, you know, like I only like the American Strats or the custom shops or this. I just, there's just great Strats. And when you pick them up, I like them. So when I got to that, that point in my life where I'm like, okay, I like Strats apparently. And they're practical and they're good. But they're not exciting for me. Some people collect strats. I have friends that have, you know, 20 strats and different colors and different types, 60s and a 50s neck. My strats are all the same. So you guys know. All my strats have about the same neck feel. I don't have a 60s era strat. I don't have a 50s era strat. All my strats are modern era, uh, uh, American professional, American standard, and uh and player series which is the main mexico and uh mexican standard there was just that middle of the mark fender line of american and mexican made guitars none of the weird specialty ones i don't have an eric johnson as much as i love them i keep very basic because all my strats i'm trying to keep uniform i have them for different reasons but they're all basically the same they feel close to the same so the reason i say that is once i came to that, that resolution that that's where i'm at then, then I realized like, oh, well, I still want to collect stuff and I want to collect unique guitars and fun guitars and uh, try different things. And, and, um, you know, and then I built a YouTube channel around it. So I guess it makes more sense now than it ever did before. But, um, that, that's the main thing. So, so back to you, Brad, to your original comment. No, I think if you have a couple of nice guitars, um, they're great. You should enjoy them. Um, 
And there you go. All right. Wheels foot. <laughs> I don't know. Wheels fit. I'm going to say fit. FT. I'm probably saying it totally wrong, but it's a made up word anyways, I think. Wheels fit says, hello, Phil. Hope you're doing well. I am doing well. Thank you for asking. My question is, I need to know the truss rod nut size for an Epiphone Les Paul Custom. Thank you. Um, yeah. Crap. I don't have it with me. I should know. What is it? It is... I don't know. I bet you we can just Google it. <laughs> um, here's what I can tell you. Ah, God. So here's why I don't know. In my shop, I have a tray. It's a plastic tray, and it has like five. I, I have I have Allen wrenches in my you know in my sets, which you've probably seen in videos. But what you haven't seen in a video is I have a tray downstairs, and it has like three Allen wrenches in it. And it's one of them is this one that I what I did is I just pulled it from a import guitar one day, and it fits like every import guitar. Some of you guys probably know uh, the the space the size. Christopher's saying four millimeter. That, Sean says, is three-eighths. I don't think it's three-eighths. I'm pretty sure it's four millimeter. It's going to be a metric one. Zim says five-sixteen. I don't think so. Again, I don't think it's a standard. I think it's going to be a, a metric. So if I was going to guess, four millimeter sounds sounds right. I know, um, I know some of the bigger truss rods, the USO ones, are going to use the three-sixteen, especially the older ones. Those are real common. Uh, the new Fender ones are are tiny, but uh, four millimeter sounds the right to me. I will tell you this: it is metric. And then also, oh, I should also wrap myself out this for two. I also have those Stu Mac. Uh, I bought those about ten years ago. The truss uh, the truss rod adjusters that have the tapered. <laughs> so you have three size three tools fit all. Those work great too. It's gonna drive me crazy. But I'm pretty sure four millimeter sounds the closest because, like I said, it's going to be metric. Yeah, four millimeter is is what I keep seeing. I would be my guess. It is metric. I know for a fact it's metric. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. You guys are still sitting up. Seven eighths. All right. We're going to stick with four millimeter. I hope that's right. Um, I'm pretty sure it's right. Hold on. I'm looking. I'm, it's actually funny. Um, oh, that got bright. As I jump screen sometimes, one of my screens is black and one of them is white. And so when I switch to the white one, you can see the light just blares me because I got to brighten up the dark one so much. Um, okay. Oh, Declan. Hey, what's up, buddy? Declan says, I want to install a Fender two pen tuners on a headstock with vintage Clusons. Am I breaking out the drill or is there a hip shot style bracket out there? No, you're going to drill. If you're going to use the Fender ones, the two pens, you're going to, you're going to use that. I, I, I'd have to look. I've never, I, I'm pretty sure I'm doing off memory again, guys. I'm pretty sure the hip shot two pen, because the hip shots have two uh, pens too that plug into their plates. I believe their spacing is different than the uh, Fender ones. 
uh, and I'm pretty sure because I remember you out having to use the adapter plates for the fenders when I've switched to, to the uh, hip shot. So, um, and the uh, the ratio. So I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, but no, you're gonna have to drill those two holes. So I would not do that. <laughs> I mean, you can. I, you know, what I mean, um, it's a commitment. Like I said, once you drill new holes for tuning keys, you're you're that's the road you're in now. You're you're going down that road and it's done. So, Er Webster, what's up, buddy? He says, Hey Phil, I finished my great guitar build off of unofficial. Eh, you're official. Uh, build. Uh, have you been keeping up? Uh, there are so many amazing entries. Over 140. It has been insane how many entries. I was for a while keeping up on them, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it just kind of plumed out into this amazing thing. <laughs> so yeah, I and so I've been and and you know what it is. What's really crazy is everyone that's posting updates because once you kind of watch about a dozen of them, uh, then YouTube starts feeding me more. And so what happened was I was like keeping tabs, like okay, this one, this one, this one. But everyone was at different stages. It was like somebody's like, like some people were like number seven, part seven. I'm like part seven, and then some people were like I'm starting today, and I'm like oh, so I've been waiting to see for. I'm, I'm assuming it's all going to be done. Um, by the end of October is what I'm looking at right now. What I see is mostly a few trailing out. I'll check out yours for sure. I want to do a video where I go over them. I think it'd be fun. Not, not so much like a critique or review of them, but more of a, let's talk about what's cool about them and interesting and some ideas that would, you know, that may be fun to share. That's what I've been finding most interesting is the ideas. Um, so many cool ideas. David Hunter says, why is Fender's made in Mexico stuff so good? Okay, we'll go with that. We'll get we'll get to that. My Jackson is wonderful, and my new '60s uh, Ventura is Mustang is smooth like glass. Gives my keys a run for the money. Sure, of course, why not? Well, first of all, you can understand Made in Mexico facility, the Ensenada facility that Fender has, um, is a good facility. It it's 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 a Fender facility. It's stocked by Fender. It's built by Fender. The employees, you understand, one in five people in Mexico play guitar. More people, I, I can't say this is a fact, okay? I, here's what I can tell you. I've been to both facilities. That's a fact. What I can tell you is a fact is that there's more guitar players in the Mexican facility, but my guess says there is. There's more guitar players in that facility because national statistics, one in five people in Mexico play guitar. So guitar uh, Mexico has a much more greater heritage with the guitar. Now, of course, it's acoustic style guitar more so, but still much more bigger hair, much more bigger much bigger heritage uh, with the guitar. So um, that's first. Second is uh, when I was there, I always, whenever I go to a facility, I always try to sneak away and talk to employees. And I have learned that there's a couple questions I ask uh, employees. You know, right? I keep it very casual. And when I walk up to them, I go, hey, how's it going? And I always say, uh, so what do you do here? And they, they go, oh, I, you know, I, I, I make bridges or I, you know, I do assembly or I do top coat or whatever they do. And I go, oh, how long you been here? You know what I mean? And what their answer is never really matters to me. What matters to me is when I get to about five of them. And, and I don't care where I am. I, I don't care if I'm in the any part of a business. I ask, uh, you know, how, what they do and how long they've been in there. And the reason I say that is because every once in a while you can see it in, in a company. You're like, uh, you know, oh, I've been six months, you know, right? Uh, the Mexico facility, what I remember most was everyone had been there years and everyone had been there because somebody else works there that they know and uh, which are great. That's great. Right. Um, so 
some of the best workers I've ever seen in that facility, some of the best equipment and, and building I've seen um, for doing guitars. And let's be let's be honest, you know, you're saying, hey, compared to your Kiesel, they're they're literally, you know, and that wasn't an hour drive. It's not it's not far from Kiesel to Ensenada, so it's not a far drive. I um, so my point is is you know the the work labor and skill labor is really good there. I have been arguing that for years that obviously the made in Mexico strats to me are some of the best made guitars. They're definitely the best stuff out there. I still think it's the best thing out there for the money. I think if you buy a made in Mexico strat or telly, um, you literally can take it out of the box and gig with it anywhere in the world. When Paul Reed Smith goes, Oh, you can take any of my guitars out of the box and gig with it anywhere in the world. I go, yeah, well I can say that about a Mexican strat or telly too. How, how cool is that? You know what I mean? Five, 600 bucks. And literally you can go on tour anywhere and, and it'll hold up. It'll sound good. And, um, no one will question it. No one would think it was odd. You know what I mean? So yeah, I definitely like it. I wish they had more color choices too. <laughs> we say that, but it's true. All right. Dirt Racer X says Mexican made telly for the win. Yeah, of course. E.R. Webster saying there's over 700 videos in his playlist so far for the great uh, guitar build-off. I don't doubt that at all. Hobo Roadie says a lot of Mexican-Americans who are expert wood craftsmen. Well, yeah, it's, again, you know, it's it's obviously, here's the great thing about a factory worker, okay, in these, in these scenarios that I've experienced with these factories. Some of them come with skills. They came there to a job and they had skills. Some come there and get a job and learn skills. And I have learned in my experience that the latter is more true, that most of the workers in these facilities um, go there and get the skills. They learn the skills. And that's why how long they're there matters, right? Because they, they turn into experts. They become better builders. They become um better workers. Uh, look, the guitar industry is not a high paying guitar uh, industry, period, for anything. Okay. Um, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not like in a, you know, building a car, you're not going to get the same kind of labor uh, rates as someone who manufactures cars. So that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you're, you're giving people an opportunity to, to learn a skill and sometimes that doesn't work and they leave and sometimes they stick with it. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's an impressive thing. That's why I always, when I go to the factories, I ask how long they've been. I've learned in my, in my opinion, cause I want to make sure that's clear. It's just an opinion. In my opinion, the factories with the longest uh, or the most tenured employees tend to be by far the best. Um, Max wants to know, do I speak Spanish? I do not. I can get myself, out, I can talk myself out of a, 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 a ticket, which I've had to do in Mexico once. Um, no joke. <laughs> uh, and if you know anything, uh, the, a ticket is not a ticket. A ticket can be a problem. And uh, I, I can order anything I want to eat. <laughs> you only need to know cerveza. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now nah, it's not true. But uh, but yes, I wish I, I need to learn more. That's for sure. Um, oh, new, oh, no mojo says that's why it's so important to have conditions to keep good workers. I agree. I, I agree. I, I, you know, I think it's absolutely true. Yeah. The, you know, yes. Creating a work environments that, that foster those employees, um, 
And of course, working conditions is good. Of course, of course. So Shinkadillo says skills pays bills. I like that. I like that. I'm going to use that. I don't know when, but sometime. Uh, we're staying on subject, so this is great. Uh, I don't know how to say the first name. I don't know what I'm missing, but I mean, last name is Wilson. I apologize for that. Uh, maybe it's Graham. I don't know why it looks weird. Uh, it says Charvel are killing at the uh, at the moment. I agree. Uh, last Mexican made uh, Charvel I bought was insanely good. I absolutely agree. Um, I I have a Mexican made Charvel that I absolutely love. I leaked it on my Instagram for you guys that saw it. It's a story on the stories. I just had it custom painted and it is a work of art. This guitar looks like it should cost three thousand dollars. No exaggeration. And uh, maybe more. <laughs> and absolutely love it. Yeah, I agree. Well, like I said, I've always, always enjoyed and always thought that the Ensenada Factory made good stuff. Um, you know. Now you guys are like, you guys are talking about Japan makes good guitars. Of course. Well, everybody makes good guitars. That's not there. I don't think there's a question. China makes good guitars. Everybody can make good guitars. It's who's, I think that's not what's impressive, right? So we know Japan can make guitars, good guitars. And for a while, Japan was making good, affordable guitars. Japan guitars as a whole now are not very affordable, like American guitars. So the fact that they can make, you know, it's like anything else. The fact that somebody can make me a, uh, it's like, uh, it's, uh, I'm going to kind of cue you guys in something. I once had somebody at the NAMM show hand me this guitar and they go, Phil, this guitar is amazing. It's going to blow your mind. You won't believe it's so good. And they handed it to me and it was $4,000. And I remember looking at it and I handed the price tag and I go, what's $4,000? And they go, yeah. And I go, what good is already, like, I already assumed it was good. Right. If I see a $4,000 guitar, heck, if I see a $2,000 guitar, my first assumption is that guitar is really good, right? Because it's $2,000. It would be weird if it was sucky. So it's not that that doesn't have value. It's that's the expectation. Those guitars are already good. We know they can make guitars for $2,000 that are good. It's what's impressive sometimes when we see the $500, $200 guitars that are really good. I think that's where we get a little shocked as guitar players. We're still like, I can't believe they do that. So there you go. Um, Craig says, Hey, for, he's giving me a super chat for coffee. Hey, that's good. I should, I should have drank coffee in the show instead of water. Uh, it says, and a, uh, a made in Mexico dilemma. Okay. I really like the made in Mexico telly, but I love the look of the made in America pro two mystic surf green. Oh, you're not, you're not. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Is it worth the upgrade, man? Dude, when those new professional twos, do I have to eat crap or what? Remember a couple months ago on the live show, everybody's like, what do you think of the fact that they're discontinued professional? I'm like, oh my God, it's going to, it's probably going to raise the price and they're going to change some things. Well, they, I don't think the price raised, uh, it may have went up 50 bucks. If they went up, they went up 50 bucks. It was, it was minimal. It went from 15 to 15.50, but the new colors. Oh, so nice. I know. It made me feel really like, oh, and as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, the new colors. Craig, I'm with you, man. Dude, I, I literally, so you guys know, so you don't think I'm crazy, are full of it. This is my phone. So you guys can see. I'm going to dim it. <laughs> Otherwise, you won't be able to see because it's too bright. Um, okay, so here's my phone. Okay, it's got a Know Your Gear logo on it. Let's go to my photos. 
and go down right here. Look at that. This is what I say. <laughs> this is what I've been staring at for the last two days. I'm like, do I do I need this? This reminds me. Do you guys remember the Strat Pluses from the late 80s, early 90s when they did this? They did this as a two-tone blue, though, on those guitars. This color is, in fact, look. See, so, so you guys know. This, I don't know why I'm out of shot now. This is my picture in my backyard. But look, I was even... Oh, do I have it? I got rid of it. I had a a picture where I, I, I tried different pick guards on it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I understand. The new Professional 2s are really, really cool. Um, and it doesn't help that as soon as they came out, like, uh, every YouTube channel had one to show. <laughs> I was like, so every ch everything I when I was working, I was, like, looking and, and, uh, and uh, every... Every picture or every YouTube channel was like, look at the new and professional twos. I'm like, oh, those are nice. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Um, and, um, I reached out to, 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 uh, to Fender and, and got him uh, to give me a spec sheet on the, on the models and stuff. Uh, and, and I'm really impressed with everything I saw. Yeah. Mary Spender just, I do. Everybody just reviewed one. Mary Spender one. They, 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 uh, they definitely knew how to, uh, do a great marketing campaign. They sent them out to, um, um, to every well not everyone but to a lot of channels a lot, a lot of influential channels out there got them and uh i was the first time i think i feel like you guys for a while i was like man do i need one so so that picture is actually one not only of that guitar but of the one i'm looking at online this is a specific one it's a uh, retailer has it and i'm thinking about it so i've been thinking about getting it for the last three days uh i just can't figure out in my head why i would need one more strat and I know I've already had two friends tell me, hey, the perfect amount is one more. Uh, and Sean Brooks goes, Phil, did you make Fender upset? No, no, no. Um, let's, uh, you know, there's a couple things. First, you guys understand, uh, you guys probably see me as a gear reviewer. A lot of companies don't see me as a gear reviewer. Um, uh, in my last 50 videos I made, out of the last 50 videos, nine were reviews. And of those nine... Three were just things I'd bought and talked about. So so let me put it to you in a way that makes sense. In the last 50 videos, which is, you know, 90 days, three months or whatever. I don't know how many months, how much time is. Last 50 videos, I've only reviewed six things. So a lot of companies don't see me as a reviewer sometimes because they go on my channel and they look and they see the live shows. They see my how to build stuff. They see all this other stuff. Um and, uh, and the other thing too is, remember, you can't pick every channel. I mean, they can't send, you know, 500 guitars out. They can only send, you know, 25. Even companies like Fender got a bigger budget for advertising. They're only going to send out so many guitars. So I'm never, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, there's goods and bads with that. Sometimes when you make the list and they send you something, that's cool. Um, this one was interesting because a lot of times when I do make a list of, you know, company reaching out, it's like a product. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's cool. This was one of the ones where I'm like, oh, I, well, I love fenders. Uh, um, um, <laughs> so, so that's, that's basically it. So I'm, I'm like I said, I'm thinking about it. It's there. If I can come up with a good reason why I need another strat. Uh, I told myself, as you guys saw, when I sold off some guitars a few months ago, every guitar that comes in now, one has to leave. So it would it would definitely have to go. The only thing that makes it tough right now is I do have a Strat I want to get rid of. So I was like, oh, out with a Strat, in with a Strat. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> 
But to answer, so we get back to the question that I that I totally messed up, which was from David. Um, no, not David. Who was the question for? Um, from the question was, should you get the uh, upgrade to the American Professional Two? They're beautiful colors. I I I think this is the best colors I've seen them put out in years. They um. Yeah, James says, weren't you the yes man when when thinking about new guitars? In other words, yeah, he, he, the policy here on the live show is, should I get a new guitar? The answer is yes. I didn't ask if I should get a guitar. Oh, I did. So the answer is yes. But I don't know. I don't know, guys. Like I said, it's 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 tough. You know, you can't have you can't own everything. It's just not in the budget. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 I'm going to say Natas. Natas. I hope I'm saying it close. Natas says, I'll buy your Copper Strat. They, yeah. You know what's funny is the Copper Strat, I think if you guys saw it in real life, uh, uh, you know who saw it for the first time was the Tone King saw it in January. I took the, because I'll take the, the Copper Strat with me. I took it to me, with me to the NAM show because that's what I was playing in the in the hotel room. He got to see it because we, we went to and had dinner one night with me and a couple other channels and he saw it. And everyone who sees it in person always says the same thing. They're like, wow, because it looks like it's relict. Um, when you guys see it, it doesn't because it's not relict. It's just I've played the crap out of it, chipped it, beat it up. I mean, it's it's a relic guitar. It's a legit relic guitar. So. Uh. uh Ralph, Ralph 20 says, what's your future? What is a future build you would like to do? Okay, great question. And also feedback on the Evertune Bridge. Uh, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, oh, thank you. I mean, yeah. It's like, I hate to say it, just when you said that right now, it's like, I think today, well, not really because we talked about it at lunch. I feel like, I feel like, like a lot of you, I'm not going very long without talking about missing Eddie Van Halen or talking about Eddie Van Halen. And that's great. It, it's just, it's every time you hear his name, it's like, it's just immediately reminds you of like, you know, that we lost him. So, so yeah. So on that note, let's get back. Let's stay focused. Let's stay focused on the question. What's the future build I would like to do? I'm doing the build right now. The build I'm doing now is the build I've been excited about doing. Um, and uh, like I said, that video will be out tomorrow. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. So that's easy. That's I'm very excited about that build. Um, the uh, the next one is on what's my th feedback on the Evertune bridge, man. I I don't know. I I've literally installed one. or never. No, we didn't install one. We set one up. I set one up once on a guitar maybe ten years ago. I don't know. It was right when they came out. And um, I have some friends who play them, love them. Like I said, I think when I did my uh, best in the, the decade, I thought it was mo one of the most interesting devices out there. I love Evertune. They reached out to me once, asked me if I was interested in doing videos. I told them I was, and we couldn't we couldn't uh, like connect on the idea. Um, I think they were looking for more of a straight ahead, like you know, we'll send you a guitar with Evertune in it. Um, my suggestion to them was that if they send me a guitar like an LTD with an Evertune in it, all I can do is tell you guys like, yeah, this is pretty cool. It's an Evertune. It stays in tune. It's really cool. My suggestion with them was maybe take one of the guitars that I like and send it to them and have them stick an Evertune in it 
which by the way is insane when I say these things. Uh, I hope you guys realize like I do this stuff not only because I, I think it's good content and it would be fun to make, but also because I'm thinking of you guys going, well, that's something they can relate to. Um, I thought, you know, if I took one of my tellies and sent it to them and had them stick an Evertune in it, when I get it back, if I hate it, then, or if I love it, then that would really help you guys gauge an experience, right? I mean, one thing if I said, yeah, the Evertune's great, but I wish it was not in my guitar anymore, that would tell you something. Or if I said, wow, why don't I stick this in all my guitars? Um, and I, I don't think that that idea worked or that wasn't something they were interested in. So to do that idea would be the only way I think I'm interested in the Evertune, which is, again, not get a guitar with an Evertune in it, put Evertune in one of my guitars so I could literally tell you guys like what i would i do it you know what i mean you know i did it but would i do it again <laughs> um maybe i'll reach out to them again sometimes when when a company when i give them an idea like that they back off they're very polite by the way the evertune guys are very like you know like not right now kind of thing um but um maybe it's time to reach out to them again maybe it'll be a good idea since there's no nam show next year maybe they need some Maybe they want some promotion and that can work out. I think their fear is a lot of times companies tell me the fear is that, uh, you know, they're going to obviously spend their money on the bridge, installing the guitar. They got to ship the guitar back to me. And then I'm going to be like, it sucks. <laughs> so I understand that. You know what I mean? I don't think companies want to pay for bad advertising, but, uh, but I think I would do it with uh, grace and style. In other words, I would, you know, try to try to keep it classy. I wouldn't tell you guys like, this is crap. Don't buy that. I'd be like, I tell you what I, if I really didn't like it, I would tell you why I would be cautionary of it. And then I would also make uh, account for reasons why you would want to do it because that's the reality of this. Matt says, Ola can hook you up with them. Again, I have the contact with them. They've reached out to me. Since you guys brought it up on the live show, I tend to do this when I'm uh, timestamping later, I will um, send them another email. Um, okay. What else? V-Man says, gigging musician use Evertone, Evertune. Everyone else, probably not. That's not true. I mean, it's a good, interesting point, but I don't agree with it in the idea that, uh, no, I think uh, Evertune is, again, like a lot of things for guitar to handle. Look, I don't play guitars if they don't stay in tune, <laughs> right? If I pick up a guitar right now, yeah, let's do it. Here's a guitar, and it's out of tune. See, I wouldn't play that. Like, I would pick it up right now, and then just like you saw, whoops, don't want to bump those. And I would literally go put it back on the wall and just grab a guitar that's in tune. So I think a guitar that stays in tune is a big deal. So again, I see your point, but no, I think in tune is probably, it's everyone's first, first thing. All right. Uh, Shigadillo says, I could use a New Year Gear winter hat. The We did some New Year Gear hats. They were cool. I didn't love them. I liked them okay. I really appreciated what you got. We didn't sell very many, but the ones you guys that got them were cool. After working out every way I could work out the deal, 
uh, to make the hat. We figured out we can't make the hat the way I, the one hat I want uh, through Teespring and stuff. So my wife's been working on making some, some, you know, uh, you know, she'll make them. <laughs> so Jacob says, how often do you play? I play at least two to three hours a day, every day. Uh, in fact, it's very rare for me not to play. Now, keep in mind, though, of that two to three hours a day, without a doubt, for sure, like I said, two hours, I feel very confident. Two hours a day is a minimum for me. Um, 50% of that, maybe 70%. And I'm trying to think of a good number uh, that makes sense. Um, let's say divide, hit meet in the middle. 60% of the time, I'm playing my bass. So I play bass mostly. And then I'll play guitar. And I will say this, and I've said this before, most of my guitar time is because of YouTube. I'm playing because I might be playing in a video or I'm doing something. Um, so there you go. And I remember when I'm not just playing guitar, I get to play guitar to make YouTube videos. I get to play guitar when I'm working on people's guitars. So I play guitar a lot. Um, but mostly I play bass. Okay. And we have Waterford Giant. Hey, Waterford, what's up? He did a super chat. He says, for some some ice cream for the birthday cake for the birthday girl. Um, I hope you heard that right. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to do cake. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, I'm like, I don't know. Do we do cake? It's like, but you know what? We'll get ice cream. How about that? Up oh, and Shinkadillo says slap the like button. That's a good time. We'll probably wrap this up in the next few minutes. So yeah, please hit that like button. There you go. It's at 207. Uh, T Neville says Evertune works pretty well. Made sense for my seven string. Yeah, I'm 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 uber curious about them. And again, I don't want to have like a open it out of the box. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. I want to have an intimate experience with an Evertune system. I want to have a guitar that I know I like it. Send it to them. Have them put the bridge in it. Spend a week, maybe two weeks with it, and then make a video. Uh, and those are my favorite videos when I I spend some time with product and then I say. Uh, you know, and I give you guys some feedback on my experience with it. Um, the worst, the videos that get watched the most are the unboxings. But to me, sometimes there's some, they're fun to watch. And I know that's why you watch them. I watch them too, but I sometimes hate making them because so much of that is like in the moment, honeymoon mode, like, wow, this is great. And then two days later, like, well, now that I've played it for a little bit, maybe I wouldn't have said that. And that's why I try to do the end of year recaps when I do videos. So Let's uh let's grab one last good question. Well, hold on. Uh, Kevin says I'm generally curious about the Evertune in the scenario you mentioned, installing it on a guitar you already familiar with, so we can have a really insightful review. I, I I agree. I think I think that's the only way to really isolate the bridge from the guitar. That's what I was basically saying. If you send me a guitar like a, a Solar, send me a Solar. I mean, I love my Solar. But send me a Solar or or a uh, you know a an LTD with an Evertune. How much of the is the guitar I like and how much is the bridge? To me, if I take <laughs> let's see, uh, uh, well, you know, maybe I'll take that GNL. <laughs> see how nervous you guys are gonna get? Like I'm serious. I'm 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 like putting my money where my mouth is i will send them a guitar a guitar that i like and i'm familiar with you know what i mean trust me it, it i don't do that without apprehension send them a a guitar that i like put an evertune in it and then go all right 
do I love this guitar still? I already liked it before. Do I still like it? Did Evertune make it better? Did it make it the same? Is it the same? Is it, you know, I mean, what experience do I have with this instrument? Um, and uh, there you go. Andrew Baker says, Evertune has changed the game for rhythm guitarists. I agree 100%. I, like I said, I understand the benefits of Evertune. I don't think anyone's questioning the benefits of Evertune. The idea that your guitar doesn't go out of tune is not lost on anyone as a whole. Obviously, with you either, it's not lost on you. But that's the point. We know that sounds cool. But there's the other things that are curious about. How does it sound? Does it change the sound of the guitar dramatically? Does it change the way the guitar feels dramatically? You know what I mean? Um what are the downfalls? What are the, and so, you know, none of those are bad. You know what I mean? In fact, you know, now I think about it, I could try find one of the guitars in my collection that doesn't stay in tune and then send them that. So. Um, T. Neville says, understandable. Evertune is a cool piece of engineering, but does take a few minutes to wrap your hand around. Doesn't completely stay in tune over like weeks, time or whatever. Ex excited for your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I already felt the experience or the uh, learning curve of the Evertune from the time I messed with it. But I, I did, when I went to Germany last year, I know I went a bunch of times. One of the times I went to Germany when I played that Rock 1000 event, when I went and played, um, you know, in front of the, the you know, the 26,000 people, we did that thing with, all, <laughs> you know, that thing where we're at like a, a thousand of us played in front of 26,000 people. When we did that, um, one of the YouTube channels had an Evertune bridge and that guitar stayed in tune the entire trip. I actually flew, he, he lived, he doesn't live here anymore, but he, he lived in Phoenix. We flew out of Phoenix to Germany. He was there the entire time we were together the entire time. Then we flew back from Germany to Phoenix. His guitar was in tune the entire time. He's an actual ESP endorsed artist. So, um, in fact, I'll put a link to his channel when, because uh, his channel name's strange. I, I never remember the name of the channel. So I'll put the link to the channel. It's a great channel. But uh, what's the point? The point is I've seen the Evertune work is what I'm saying. I've I've set one up. I've seen it work in real, in real play. Like when he had it, I'm just curious about the other things. Um... Mr. Billinchair says, will you ever do a review of the Fender Deluxe Reverb Tone Master? Um, I'm going to say officially the answer is no. And here's why. I have a 65 Deluxe Reverb that I absolutely love. As you guys watch my videos, it is on at least, I don't know, 20, 30% of all the videos I've ever made. It is an amp I love. I really would like to compare the Tone Master to it. I have reached out in my capacity to companies, obviously Fender, uh, which they didn't need. They don't need any more promotion on their products. So there's no reason to send them out to any more channels. Um, I've reached out to retailers I deal with to see if we could get one on loan to do the comparison. No one seems interested to do the loan uh, to get me one. I'm not going to buy one as much as I, um, because like I said, when I buy stuff, it's usually got to be something I'm interested in. And let's be clear. I'm not interested in the Tone Master. I'm curious about it. That's different. I'm curious, like a lot of players, like, is it any good? I don't know. I've watched a ton of videos. Um, 
And uh, and I would like I said, so the answer is probably no, because to do the review uh, or to the video of it, they'd have to send one or I'd have to get my hands on one somehow. Now, I do regret this. I found one on Craigslist and they wanted only five hundred dollars for it. And I almost bought it and I regretted it ever since. I should have just jammed on that that minute for five hundred bucks. I could have bought it and got out of it. Um, uh, and, and like I said, I'll poke around sometimes if I can buy one used and buy it and, set, and you can flip it. I mean, I flip a lot of gear, you know what I mean? Sometimes that's how you get video, you know, gear for videos is you buy it and then you sell it. Um, but I'm just not seeing those opportunities for that amp. So, um, so there you go on that note, I think we're going to call it. Let me double check. You can hear my dogs is barking. <laughs> I think that means, I think it means the show's over when the dogs are barking. Okay. Um, it looks like we did everything. We caught it. We did it. I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, I'm sorry today's show was a little late, but like I said, my internet will be down tomorrow. So I couldn't do the show tomorrow and look for the uh, new video, which will be part two of the uh, turning a glary guitar, $70 guitar into a super strat. That video will be out tomorrow. I'm excited about this video. Um, and uh, it might be Sunday. Either way, I'll put a link to it uh, in this in this live show. So, all right, guys, as always, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Till the next time, know your gear. <laughs>